Welcome to the Between the Scans podcast, your on-the-go source for imaging trends happening in the healthcare market. Whether commuting to work, taking a break, or just winding down for the evening, Shared Imaging has got you covered with the latest and greatest in diagnostic imaging news. The timing of today's podcast is spot on since it's the International Day of Radiology. On today's podcast, we welcome our guest, Mike Rittman of GE, who will be discussing various topics as they relate to PET-CT. Hey, back again for another podcast with Shared Imaging. My name is David Stokowiak. I am the VP of Asset Management here, uh, part of the executive team. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit of PET-CT, specifically surrounding the uh, GE and the new GE Omni Legends system that was debuted last year at RSNA. And with me today from GE, we have Mike. Mike, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. We're excited to be here. Uh, I'm Mike Ritman, and I'm the Director of Marketing for the U.S. and Canada for GE Healthcare's Molecular Imaging Division, and that encompasses everything from traditional nuclear medicine to PET-CT and now Theranostics. Well, that's awesome, Mike. Glad to have you on the show with us. You know, we did a little bit of MR with GE before, so uh, glad to turn it over to some PET-CT technologies and uh, see what's going on in the, in the marketplace. Why don't you start off with... Well, that's uh, right, because, you know, I, 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 I got to tell you, though, I know we're, we're excited to go after MR, but I do have to ask you one question before we start. Yeah, let's do it. And, and that is, what do you think the most fundamental technology or improvement you can make to an MR, right? So what's the best way to make an MR system better? Ooh, I don't know this one. Not even G tells me this stuff. I'll give you the answer. Put a pet on it. Gotta love an I, easy I can't help myself joke whenever uh, I do. Of course. You gotta love uh, an easygoing pet joke uh, talking about pet CT. At least it's not a CAT scan. Well, it's the same way. How do you make a CT scanner better? Put a pet on it. Yeah. Put a pet on anything, right? That's what we can do nowadays. Put a pet on anything. That's what we want. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's an exciting time in the world uh, of pet, really molecular imaging as a whole, but certainly there is a ton of crazy stuff happening in PET. And we're for real this time when we say that, you know, if you look at the history of molecular imaging over the last, not even like the last 10, 20 years, but 30, 40, 50 years, right? Cause this modality has now been around since the 1950s. And it's always been like, we've been saying to ourselves uh, and to providers in the industry, Hey, you know, molecular imaging, has the potential to be that personalized modality for diagnostics and treatment and all these things. And, you know, in the future, there will be these tracers and these tracers will allow X, Y, Z. And it seems like we've been saying that to ourselves forever and ever and ever. And now finally that time has actually happened. And it's a really uh, cool and exciting time right now because it's a whole like plethora of tracers, both on the diagnostic side as well on the treatment side that are getting FDA clearance. And there's even more that are in various phase two and phase three uh, trials right now. And, uh, you know, you just look at, uh, you know, probably like in 2018, the floodgates kind of opened when uh, Lutathera got its FDA uh, clearance for uh, treatment of neuroendocrine tumors. And then, uh, in 2020, the FDA cleared the first uh, 
gallium PSMA tracer, which really then started unlocking uh, this whole ability to revitalize and revolutionize how prostate cancer patients are treated. And then that really came to a head uh, a year ago uh, in, or a little over a year ago now in March, 2022, I believe it was when uh, Novartis got FDA clearance for Pluvicto. And that really just opened the floodgates because then all of a sudden for the very first time, we had the promise come true where we had a tracer that could do diagnostics. We had treatment and all the equipment, it all, it all came together all at the same time. Uh, and it, and it's really, really exciting because on the, you know, just on the oncology theranostic side alone, the results that we're seeing, you know, not everyone responds the same way, but so many of these patient stories that we're hearing where these patients were in stage disease, in hospice, making final preparations, and then as a last-ditch effort, they were given this uh, Pluvicto, this Lutetium-177 treatment. And, you know, after one, two, three cycles, they're, they're a completely different person. They, they get their life back, and physicians are describing it only as a miracle. And, you know, and that, that's kind of just the beginning of, of what we're seeing right now. And you're seeing stories like on the news, Duran Duran, uh, you know, one of their, their band members w- was talking about theranostics. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy because we're, we're just at the very beginning of this, but the, the floodgates are already opening. Yeah, it seems like that PET-CT has come a long way over the 20 years that I've kind of been involved with it. And, you know, going to the digital products that are now out from all major OEMs, it seems like it's becoming a more in the forefront uh, with the hospitals starting to talk towards, hey, I need to that digital PET-CT system. I need to do more. Where Where's the market share for PET imaging going and where where is it kind of uh been already with with what you've seen from a market standpoint with GE and then turning into this uh this digital system that we're going to be talking about later on Yeah it's you know we we talked for a second about theranostics but you know and that's driving molecular imaging as a whole but in looking at you know PET CT I believe it was Frost and Sullivan recently did a survey showing how, you know, PET-CT procedure volumes between now and 2026 were going to skyrocket and increase by a minimum of at least 6 million procedures in only a three-year time span. And certainly Theranostics is driving a lot of that, but also uh, last year in, I think it was like September, 2022, Fluoropyridaz completed successfully its phase three trial uh, as an F-18 cardiac agent. And then, you know, at the same time, we see ASNIC updating their guidelines and talking about how patients with known coronary artery disease, patients who are high BMI or have other difficulties, that they now need to go to PET as the frontline test for their cardiac uh, imaging. And then most recently, like I mean, literally just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we saw some crazy exciting stuff in neurology, which I'm not sure how many people saw coming, but you know, uh, early this year, Lequembi, uh, the first like true Alzheimer's treatment finally got its FDA clearance. And you know, we've had amyloid pet brain scans going on since 2013-ish but we didn't have the treatment to go with it. And so now with Lakembi getting that clearance, we now have the treatment. Uh, 
And then even more exciting, let's see, what is it? November 8th. So about three weeks ago, uh, CMS removed the uh, national coverage decision on amyloid PET scans because it used to be that a patient could only receive, you know, like one amyloid PET scan in their entire life. And now that's been removed. So that way amyloid PET scans can be used with Lakembi. So it, it, it's insane. And, and that's what's fueling this, this growth that's projected by, by 6 million plus uh, different procedures. And certainly to take advantage of this, you're going to want to upgrade your equipment. It's, uh, you know, we look at, you know, a lot of the PET CTs out there right now uh, were all installed in the, like the 2004 to 2007 era. That seems to be one of the, the, the age ranges that we see the most out there. And uh, I believe it was IMV last year in one of their surveys said that, you know, the average current age of a PET system is like 12 and a half years old. And, you know, there's been a running joke that, you know, it used to be that the fluoro room was always the oldest uh, piece of equipment in your radiology department and you'd run into the ground till it broke. And, and now, though, with the way the economy and the world has gone, the PET CT system is also going that way. And we've seen a lot of customers say, no, but we, we're going to hold on to a PET CT for 20 years. Forget 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. We need it to go for 20 years. And now a lot of those systems are hitting that age. They're all 15 to 20 years old. Everyone needs to replace it. But the problem is you're kind of stuck, right? You've got a limited budget, but you don't want to just replace it with another analog PET CT because it's not going to be much of an improvement beyond what you already have. But the issue has been, you know, digital systems came out in 2014 and 2015, but they were three, three and a half, four million dollars. And you could buy three analog systems for the price of one digital. Uh, so it was completely impractical for people, uh, but the benefits were there. The image quality is significantly better. The ability to do faster imaging, lower dose, combine all of that. It, it's all there. It's just been a question of when is a digital pet system going to come out that actual people can afford who aren't at like an academic level who are funded by grants and, and, and patient donors and things like that. Certainly. And, you know, in my 10 plus year space in this interim world, I was viewing systems where that, that there were to, the really old first pet CT systems where they're literally a CT and a pet and it's strapped together by some, you know, covering that's all mismatched, miscolored. And you're just like, oh, you literally just set down a CT system, a pet, and trying to make it work together. And now we're kind of seeing, like you said, a lot of scanners were built in that early, mid 2000 or aught time frame that are becoming 15, 20 years old. And the OEMs, both GE and Siemens primarily, are end of service life in these. And that's causing another way to, hey, OEMs aren't going to be supporting, parts aren't going to be around. What do we do next? And that's where I think we get into some of the the digital systems that have been out there. And yeah, they've been unattainable for most hospital systems. Three plus million dollars, as an example. Then you got all the build-out costs. And you got to look at, okay, where, where's the space bang, bang for your buck? And that's where you kind of look at mobile trailers or medical coaches. And, and what do you put in there? And we never really had a true GE digital option to put in a medical coach before. So that is really turned into what was introduced at RSNA last year at this time for the U.S. is the, the Omni Legend product and got to see it firsthand. And it looked amazing. 
I think Mike, you, you even showed us around and talked, talk through it, you know, with us and talk about the success that GE has seen so far with this new digital product. Then we can go into more specifics and uh, we'll go through that. Yeah. You you know, you you nailed it where, you know, these older systems and yeah, the first systems weren't integrated too well and, you know, had some special screws bolting together with (laughs) different color plastics and misshapen. It's kind of scary what they all look like, but there's still a lot of them out there. And and you're right, these older systems there, the parts just aren't there anymore. And, you know, you look at how quickly your iPhone changes year after year and, you know, all these electronic boards, these parts, everything in these systems, we, the parts just aren't there to, to take care of it anymore. But also to meet the demands of all of these new tracers, these treatments and everything that's happening, right? It's going to require uh, one, a system that can image all of these new tracers and do it with incredible image quality also a system that can handle higher patient volumes and, and backlogs. And, you know, we're just seeing the tip of the patient volumes with theranostics. And this is without the cardiology uh, explosion happening and the, the tidal wave of neurology with Alzheimer's that's getting ready to happen right now. And, and so we're going to need to see digital PET become the standard of care in PET imaging in order to keep up with all of this. And as we were designing Omni, Certainly affordability, that was something that was important to us and making sure that we offer a system that is scalable across multiple types of budgets, uh, but without needing a completely different platform for all those different people, but a, a system that could truly scale to those different uh, uh, budgets and needs and things like that. And also we, we've taken to heart the feed act, you know, a lot of those 20 year old pets out there, those are GE pet systems, right? And they're GE mobile, they're STs, DSTs, STEs, all those systems that we sold a ton of, and they're all running around in trailers with their wheels about to fall off. And, uh, you know, it, they're old systems and we'll leave it at that. So we, we know what's out there and we also understand the desire for people to hold on to it for a long time. And so not only did we want to make a system that, anyone could have access to and bring digital to more and more people, thereby going to more patients. We wanted a system that could span 15 to 20 years and not just physically sit there and get parts, but actually have a scalable upgrade path uh, beyond what we're used to seeing so that it could remain clinically relevant and up to date in the department uh, for that entire uh, usable time. And that led us to Omni. And I'll clarify that when we say Omni, we're actually talking about two different things. One, Omni, just Omni the word, represents a new PET-CT platform for us. Just like our previous PET-CTs were what we called the Discovery platform, and then it had its little name after that, Omni itself represents a new platform. And Omni Legend is the first PET CT built on that all new platform and frame. And with Omni Legend specifically, there were four big criteria that we, we talked about at launch and are talking about now. And that's that, you know, when we built it, when we were going to introduce this as a digital system, the digital space is already getting crowded with lots of different players and, and different systems out there, including other digital systems from GE. We wanted a different type of detector architecture. We wanted something that was powerful, that was fast, that could push the boundaries of sensitivity and spatial resolution. Next, we wanted to change how reconstruction is done. 
you know, we look at what CT, the world of CT has done with artificial intelligence, deep learning, and especially in the MR space, right? MR, there's a lot of exciting things happening in MR with deep learning, with being able to significantly shorten sequence times and overall exam times, but still getting just incredible image quality so that patients are on the table for a short amount of time. And we thought to ourselves, well, why can't we do something with deep learning as well in PET-CT? Um, and, and then also, you know, as we look at labor shortages all across the world, but especially in the U.S. right now, and especially you look at nuclear medicine, molecular imaging, so many technologists like are getting ready to retire in, in the molecular imaging space. And so between burnout, retirements, shortages, we needed a system that can take care of the technologists. Uh, we don't want them to be forgotten anymore, and we want to value their contribution to what they're doing for the patient. And so when we built this platform, we wanted something not only to make their lives truly significantly easier, but also a new way to protect them from the radiation exposure that they get from the patients that they inject each and every day. And then, like I said, that, that desire to have this system be relevant in the department for 15 to 20 years, that's something that was at the forefront of our mind as well. And so that all, that all culminated in uh, quite a few years of research. And then last year in September, Omni Legend made its debut in Barcelona, Spain at the uh, European uh, Society of Nuclear Medicine meeting, the EANM. And um, then a few months later, it made its US debut uh, at RSNA. And that was really exciting because we didn't bring just one Omni Legend to RSNA, but we brought two different types. And this was something that was exciting to us because, and as you know, you got to see it. One was the fixed system, but the other one right behind it was a big giant pink color trailer that had then the Omni Legend mobile in it. And this was exciting for us because, yes, this was our first mobile digital PET CT, but with Omni, the desire to address health equality, and you know, and we look at all those mobiles out there that we put on the roads, right, and they need to be replaced we knew that in order for Omni to be successful and to do what it needed to do, it needed to be mobile from day one. And it's a lot easier than to design a system to be mobile coach day one, than to go back and try to retroactively, you know, shoehorn something in uh, a fixed system that was never designed for it. And in order to do that, I mean, there were, there were tons of challenges that we could talk about. There's a lot that had to be overcome, uh, you know, uh, just the, the siting, the cooling requirements, all kinds of stuff, different things that you have with digital PET CTs that you never had uh, with the analog and lots of things that we had to, to worry about. Yeah, I got to see it and it was spectacular. You got the the tech piece and you, you mentioned the dosing to help with the techs. Why don't you go into what type of dosing that uh, you're allowed to do because of the sensitivity here on the Omni is just so much greater than what we've ever experienced before. Yeah. So, you know, uh, historically in PET, right, there was always this trade-off between spatial resolution and sensitivity. And as a device manufacturer, we always had to choose, well, do we want better spatial resolution or better sensitivity? Better sensitivity lets you find the disease sooner and better sensitivity also lets you lower the injected dose to the patient, which is better for the patient and better for the technologist. Uh, but, you know, spatial resolution is also important and different PET CT vendors have gone different ways with it. And that was one of the chief design goals of Omni was create this new innovative DB geodetector system 
that provides not just a little bit higher sensitivity, but astronomically higher sensitivity. On the Omni Legend 32 centimeter, the, it's a sensitivity of 46, which is unlike anything else in the market where most digital PET CTs are between the 9 and 16 uh, mark for sensitivity. We're at 46, so it's astronomically higher. Uh, and it's got one of the best spatial, best spatial resolution specifications there too. So the system gives you both. But with that sensitivity, uh, you know, for example, on the Omni Legend 32, we have facilities that are now scanning whole body in four minutes or less, and uh, which is which is insane when you think about it. most of the PET CTs out there on the market are doing 15 to 20 to 25 to 30 minute scans whole body. Uh, we're looking at uh, a four minute or less scan on that Omni 32 uh, with full fidelity, no sacrifice in spatial resolution. Uh, and at, at some sites, you know, we're seeing not just, okay, slightly lower injected doses to the patient, uh, but significantly lower, uh, such as, you know, routinely scanning under five millicurie of injected dose. And at the RSNA this year, we're going to show patient examples that are under three millicuries of injected dose for a normal size adult with just incredible high fidelity, high resolution uh, image quality. But lowering that injected dose is also then significant to the technologist, especially when you look at the mobile environment where there's not as much space for the technologist to move around. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that always makes molecular imaging different than the other modalities is we're the modality where our patients are radioactive. You know, CT and MR, we don't have to worry about that. And, you know, in the, in the old days of doing four pets a day to break even with your ROI, or maybe high volume, we're doing five, six, seven pets a day. That wasn't such a big deal. But now when we're wanting to increase volumes to keep up with this new surge of theranostics, Alzheimer's, and soon to be cardiac, you know, now there's sites that are doing 35 a day. We've seen one site do over 40 uh, on one of these systems, that's a lot of exposure to your technologist. So if we can significantly lower that dose, that's going to allow them to work that entire shift, be protected, not worry about their badge going black on them. Um, and it's also just better for the patient too, obviously. Uh, but, but these lower injected doses are, are very important for the technologist, but that's not enough. We're actually taking it a step further by we put the world, the, I should say industry first camera system on a PET CT on Omni Legend as well. And it's on the fixed system, you know, and, and we've seen camera systems on MRs and CTs before, but this is the first camera system on a PET CT. And that camera system sits in the ceiling and it tracks the patient live and it analyzes their movement and it displays the camera feed on the touch screens that are on the Omni. And it also displays it back in the control room. And this allows Omni Legend to be the first PET CT in the industry with full remote patient positioning. So once the technologist walks the patient in and puts them on the table and straps them in, they can step back and go back to the control room right away and set up the rest of the exam and start it. And the entire time they're seeing the camera feed uh, from top down of the patient and it's telling them that they're aligned, that everything is good. But so it's two ways now that we're protecting the technologist. One, we're able to use significantly lower injected dose to protect them. But now 
giving them full remote patient positioning so that they can be only in the room when they absolutely need to. Yeah. And we, you know, shared imaging just took possession of the first CT in the mobile environment with that, the GE revolution Maxima, which I believe runs the Omni system, at least from the CT perspective. And I believe I've heard Mike that you guys have been working on this for the Omni as well, for that patient positioning camera. And I, I'd love to see it in the mobile environment because I think this is the next wave. It's, it's helping the technologists care for their patient in the easiest way possible. No, you're absolutely right. And it's been a, a, a phenomenally successful endeavor on the CT side. And, you know, certainly we've heard all of the, the requests and the excitement. We've seen it. We're excited about it, too. And, and certainly we are seeing what we need to do to make sure that all Omni Legends, whether they're fixed or, or on the road, are able to take advantage of that technology. That is, that is definitely uh, uh, actively on our minds, I will say. Yeah, so that's a little bit about the PET-CT, patient positioning, dosing, technologist. I'm still confused about Theranotics. Tell me okay. more about Theranotics because it's something that's new and upcoming that, you know, I think it has something to do with the brain, but like, tell me what this system really gets into Theranotics for and why we see this as the next great space to utilize a PET CT system. Yeah, with Theranostics, you know, and, and, you know, there's Theranostics for cardiology, for neurology, but obviously the, the most mature, the thing that everyone is talking about is Theranostics for prostate cancer right now. And that's because we have both the, the diagnostic tracer as well as the therapy tracer. And uh, with uh, gallium, uh, PSMA being one of the, the, the main diagnostic tracers that we inject into the patient. And then we have lutetium-177, otherwise known as Plavicto, which is on the treatment side. And what makes this so special, if you look at the gallium PSMA, for example, it has the word PSMA in it for a reason, right? Because with um, these prostate cancer cells, they have this PSMA membrane and the, the gallium is able to, when we inject it, to travel around the body and seek out those specific prostate cancer cells and latch onto it. You know, and so before when we were injecting things, we were just injecting it widespread, full spectrum, and just light up everything in the body. And now what we're doing, this, these targeted tracers, they go in the body and they seek out and they attach to the specific cancer cell that we want them to. And with gallium, it's a very low dose radiation that can just then quickly light up each of these prostate cancer uh, metastases that we see in the body. And where PET sensitivity comes into play here and why having such astronomically high sensitivity is so important is sensitivity translates to earlier disease detection. And earlier disease in that, you know, the patient may already have widespread metastatic disease, but there, you know, we want to see every tumor in the body when it comes to prostate cancer, whether it's already well-formed or even the little tiny ones that are just starting to form and sensitivity allows us to do that. And so with Omni Legend, then as a patient is getting ready to embark on their Theranostics treatment journey, we have the ability to do that PET-CT with Omni Legend with high sensitivity and 
be assured that we're seeing as much as technology is able to see today and light up all of those tumors so we can properly stage and understand exactly what we're looking at as they get ready to go through their six rounds of Pluvicto treatment. And uh, so that sensitivity is, is critically, critically uh, important there to do that. But earlier we talked about how sensitivity can enable fast scanning. That's also important with these Theranostics patients because, you know, right now with how Theranostics is prescribed in the U.S., it is a last resort treatment. After hormonal therapy, surgeries, chemo, after everything else has failed, that's when a patient can then qualify for Theranostics. So these are very, very sick patients with widespread disease. They have lost a lot of weight. Their physical state is terrible. And they're, it's very hard for them to lay still, let alone then say, hey, we need you to lie still on a PET CT now for 30 minutes. Do you mind doing that? No, that, that, that's, that's torture. And to be able to say, well, don't worry. We can image you in only four minutes. And we're going to get the whole picture. That's awesome. Uh, you know, so now as the, as the physician and the, the treatment team, they're getting that roadmap uh, to help guide them on the treatment. But then for the patient experience, they're on there as little as possible. And you don't have to worry that, well, I, I hope the image was good enough for the physicians. Uh, you know, everyone's getting what they need now. And, and so that's where Omni Legend is playing a, a huge critical role. And, you know, when you talk about the patient as well, it's not just the fast scan time for them, but we also went out of our way to actually create an in-bore experience for them. And so, you know, say goodbye to the boring white tube, but now we put this dynamic LED lighting in the bore to light it up and it can change colors for whatever, you know, if the patient has a favorite color, we're able to change it right there on the touchscreen. And we worked with the team to create a graphic pattern. We call it the bore tat, in bore tattoo, but it's a special graphic pattern that was designed to help calm the brain. And there's even a little, uh, almost like a where's Waldo game actually inside it that the technologist can have the patient uh, participate with. Uh, so, you know, lots of things have been done on the patient experience as well as these very, very sick prostate cancer patients are, are getting there. What is hopefully a very fast scan. Yeah, it's all about the patient experience and not only, a, you said, four-minute scan times. Hasn't GE solved for motion cor correctness as well in this system? And isn't there a software that you guys have added on to assist, even if you do have to go longer and you have more patient movement, where you have less rescanning when, when, when patients are, are there on the table? Why don't you go into that a little bit, Mike? Yeah, the... The best thing there is, and this is something that, you know, we worked on uh, for quite a while and it's called motion free. And, you know, one of the, the best things that can be done to improve diagnostic quality is to eliminate motion. And, you know, one of the biggest areas of motion that we have is coming from the lungs uh, and the diaphragm and all of this, this upper body motion that, that comes from that. And that's even... Uh, you know, especially as a patient is getting sicker and their breathing can be erratic and all that, that it just creates all kinds of problems. And we've seen many, many examples where disease gets completely obstructed or blurred, removed from the image because of 
lung or diaphragm, whatever related motion. And, you know, solutions have existed for that forever now for, you know, 15, 20 years by, uh, you know, putting a, a large belt around the, the patient's chest to try to monitor their breathing and allow to correct for that motion. Or in some cases, I won't mention where, uh, but you know it if you have one of these where you stick a tube down the patient's mouth and have them breathe into it and inflate a device, which that's not something as a sick patient you want to be told to do. Um, and so the race has been, how do you, how do you do motion correction without needing the devices, uh, which patients don't want to wear or, or put in their mouth. And so that's where several years ago we came out with motion free, which is a fully deviceless gating. It uses different levels of artificial intelligence to track the patient motion breathing and then reconstruct without the motion. And, and give these images uh, that are nice and still and free of the motion. And that then enables those lesions that would have otherwise been hidden to be fully viewed and measured, quantified. And what's also great, you know, we talk more about the technologist. There's nothing the technologist has to do here. It's just built into the system. So again, they can just focus on the patient. They don't have to worry about putting the uncomfortable device on the patient uh, and, and, and apologizing to that poor patient, sorry, this is necessary. No, every patient gets the benefit now and every technologist benefits from the fact that we don't have to do this cumbersome device, which then, by the way, added 15 to 20 minutes of setup time per patient anyway, which again, we don't have time for that type of stuff with this tidal wave of patient volumes coming. And as you said, trying to do 20 30 patients a day on these scanners that's becomes a lot becomes very cumbersome so i'll start to change it over to we've talked about prostate we talked about neuro we kind of mentioned cardiac but i think that's a good space right now especially because you had rubidium rubidium Mm -hmm. short half-life very costly from a generator perspective and I know GE is at the forefront of introducing an injectable that has a longer half-life. And talk more about that uh, FDA or FDG type of uh, cardiac tracer that's going to be specific for this system and how Omni is going to be looking at that from a sensitivity, from scan volume, uh, and, and what we're seeing in the marketplace from cardiac benefiting from this new tracer? Yeah, certainly. You know, and, and as you said, you know, your rubidium is one of the most commonly used, well-known tracers right now for pet. Like with any tracer, it has it, its, its pluses and minuses. And with the short half-life, you know, you got to be ready to image it. And, uh, you know, certainly we, in designing Omni Legend, we made sure that it was ready to be a high-throughput rubidium machine that we, we made sure to put, you know, the, the awesome touch screens that we put on the system on the front. We also put them on the back to help the technologist with rubidium scans. And the, the detector itself was designed for high count rate tracers like rubidium. Uh, and then even we went on and actually have uh, one of the best energy resolutions in the market with the system, which then further cleans up that image. So it, it's definitely a rubidium machine. We've got sites doing high BMI patients with that all day long with a lot of success and some great images now. But yes, everyone is asking, okay, what about this F-18 thing? And, you know, as I said in the, the very beginning, uh, you know, 
back in 2022, last last year, uh, GE Healthcare and Lantheus announced that the phase three trials for fluoropyridase have been successful, you know, which was super, super exciting news, um, you know, because it was back in 2012, 2013, when people were first really getting excited about the possibility of an F-18 cardiac tracer for PET. And then things didn't quite pan out in those phase trials and things got restarted. And, uh, but now things are, are really looking great. And, um, you know, especially with ASNIC now changing their guidelines, that PET needs to be that frontline test. Uh, this is really exciting. And, and one of the things that I think is really exciting about an F-18 type cardiac tracer is you have the ability for it to be a unit dose instead of having a generator in the room that you have to pay for on a regular basis and, and deal with. Now with an F-18 cardiac tracer, you could have it as a unit dose and order it like your FDG you do for your oncology scans. And this is significant for so many sites. You know, that's one of the things that we, we've heard year after year from practices is that, man, I would love to do cardiac, but I don't have the cardiac volume to support a generator. And um, nor do I really have the technologist uh, expertise to handle cardiac because with cardiac imaging on PET CT, there's a lot of fiddling you need to do with the image historically for attenuation correction and things to make sure that that image looks right. And so we have to make the image look right. And you know, one of the, the, the big challenges with cardiac PET-CT, right? So, you know, we're, we're addressing with F18, we're addressing the dosing issue and being able to order it, the sensitivity addresses, being able to scan your oncology patients faster to make room for those cardiac patients. So now cardiac imaging is available to more people, but that's not solving the technologist training issue and, and making sure you have a technologist that is comfortable in the system. Because even at a, a high throughput pet cardiac facility, getting the image just right is still a daunting task. And what specifically is taking place is after the patient is done with their exam, the technologist then has to sit at their console for anywhere from five to 10 to 15 minutes, depending on their level of expertise. And they have to actually line up the PET and the CT image so they line up nice and, and correctly so then the PET attenuation correction can take place using the CT data. And if we don't do the attenuation correction, you're going to end up with a lot of artifacts and, and things that look like a defect in the image. And then the patient's going to get misdiagnosed. But the problem is, if you make a mistake lining up those things for the attenuation correction, you also introduce artifacts and defects and problems. And so it's a real nerve wracking thing in addition to just taking a long time for the technologist. So with Omni, knowing that it was going to be a very high cardiac used system, or we hoped it would, and it is, we built in something new for the technologist where the system in three dimensions will automatically line up the CT and the heart for them. And it's using a very advanced algorithm that's compensating for a lot of different things, but it is immediately doing all of that work for the technologist. And then all they need to do is look at it and go, yes, this looks great or make a tiny little tweak. But now it's taking all of that time and it's reducing the clinical uh, variability between the different technologists. 
and it's helping technologists of different skill sets, backgrounds, experience in cardiac imaging be able to focus on the results uh, and make sure, again, their mind is on the patient and not on potentially making a mistake with the attenuation correction. So, you know, as you can see, a lot of, yes, there's some incredible diagnostic stuff going on with Omni Legend, but we really, really focused on also making this a system that a technologist would take pride in and, and want to use. And uh, that, that's why in uh, a lot of uh, some of the presentations in from some of the customers, uh, we've heard directly from the technologists where they said that, yeah, the workflow in the system has made Omni Legend my best friend. And it's like that, that's no greater compliment that we could get than for someone to say that. Yeah, I know we're excited for Omni Legend, excited for the next thing in, in mobile space, excited from a technologist perspective and excited to get rid of that dang generator that takes up all this space <laughs> that you're replacing every six or seven weeks anyway. And all right. the logistics were around that. But thank you for going through all that, Mike. However, I, I'd be remiss if I don't at least address one major issue that I consistently hear oh boy, here it comes. with GE. Why stay with BGO? BGO, that's the bad word, right? Why is it? Why why did GE do that? Why, it's just, it's digital, right? No. Tell us why GE decided to stick with this BGO crystal and why GE thinks this is still the right crystal, I guess, for PetCT moving forward in the digital space? Pretty simple. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll preface that by saying that right now, nobody has more experience with BGO and lutetium-based crystals than GE. You know, long after everyone else in the industry abandoned BGO, we continued to work on it. And we did that because there was always some incredible potential with BGO. And yes, lutetium is exciting and got everyone all jazzed up and, you know, it was super fast scintillator, all these different things. And we know that too because we make lutetium-based systems. We have some crazy expensive lutetium-based systems that we make. But with BGO, it, it was always exciting and interesting to us because, one, it has such a crazy high stopping power, right? It can stop a photon dead in its tracks. And when you can do that, one, you get better sensitivity for earlier disease detection and all those other benefits that we've talked about today. But you also then have the potential to have higher spatial resolution because you're stopping that photon and it's not scattering all over the crystal, uh, all, all over the detector and things like that without getting too technical. But no one had quite figured out yet how to get BGO to take that next leap. And to be honest, the electronics, the computer systems, everything needed weren't there either. But that was what we were working for uh, and, and, and working towards with Omni Legend. And there's a reason why, you know, I said before, Omni is a platform and Omni Legend is the first system in that platform. There was very deliberate reason why we went with and not BGO, but what we lovingly call DBGO or digital BGO. Because... And I love it because this is a, one of our, our, our lead chief scientists to actually help design the system. Uh, when we unveiled this system, one of the things that he said is, you know, this isn't your grandmother's BGO. And because it's not, this is an entirely new beast. And what this does, by taking BGO, 
and making it digital, but not just digital, but coupling it with some of the most advanced electronics that are available right now. It's really, really advanced silicon photomultipliers and a whole other plethora of electronics that are part of the secret sauce of this detector. You take the incredible, excellent stopping power of BGO, and that then allows us to make it a larger field of view than what you typically see in the industry. Uh, that DBGO has that stopping power for higher sensitivity, but it also now gives us incredible spatial resolution because we've cut the BGO crystals super small and fine for the very first time. It's never been done before in the history of PET. And that is giving us just outstanding spatial resolution, the likes of which we haven't seen before. But also, incredible energy resolution. And that's really important in PET. And uh, with energy resolution, that is what fuels your scatter correction. Right. So, you know, you get, you don't, we don't always just get clean photons coming out of the patient. We get a lot of random and scatter, a lot of garbage that comes out of these patients. And that is made even worse uh, with certain tracers. And the better your energy resolution, the better you are able to reject all of that scatter. And um, most systems on the market, lutetium systems, have an energy resolution of about 12, which is okay. A BGO system is way worse at 16, 17, 18. Omni Legend is better than all of that at under 10%, 9.8% to be exact. And that's right in line with these three and a half to $4 million other flagship systems that are out there. So it's, it's incredible. And, and BGO is not capable of that. Uh, but DBGO is. And in addition, this is a detector that's capable of really high count rates, which again is important uh, for being ready for any kind of tracer that's, that's out there today uh, or tomorrow. And so that's why we wanted to do something special uh, with this detector, because we, we've known that the potential for BGO was always there. It's just the technology did not exist to properly harness it and actually unlock the potential there. Um, and so that's what we've done. And, and the, the results have, have, have been absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, and the customers are showing us image quality and showing us lesions. And, and I saw one, as we're getting ready for RSNA right now, we're doing a lot of image reviews and wanting to showcase some of the best images that we've seen acquired so far. And we saw some images uh, just yesterday, actually, that looked like CT scans. But there was no CT scan in the image. It was just the pet, but the clarity was so good that you would mistake it at first glance. And that's incredible that we had that level of image quality, but also we did it crazy fast and at a crazy low dose, bringing all of that together. And that's why DBGO. And if I had to summarize it in one sentence, we chose DBGO because for the first time in the industry, it allows us to have both ultra high sensitivity and spatial resolution together. We've eliminated the trade-off for the very first time. And that's what's had us so excited about this system. I think we see that with the industry and I know you can't get into specific numbers, but I, I <laughs> luckily per our friends at, uh, at the medical coaches, uh, <laughs> they're saying that they've received already 20 plus orders 
in less than a year of this product with a half dozen already being shipped. That doesn't even include what shared imaging has potentially the capability of putting into production. And just to give you a reference of that last year, 20 plus systems, that's more than all the discovery IQs, the MIDRs that they've put into production in the last four or five years. So it shows that the industry switch and the digital BGO that you talk about is really relative now and that GE has really stepped up the technology to handle this in the industry and it's being taken off. So I appreciate it. And again, you're just talking about mobile systems. Just mobile systems. We're not talking about 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 any in-house. systems that have been sold. Yeah. It's great. So you could see the the success of this system already just from a mobile space with with those types of numbers which is great now as we as we we head out we got to get out of here but do you have any plugs as we head into rsna going in uh at the end of the november like what 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 plug do you have what what do you expect to see with this omni moving forward that maybe we can get a sneak preview of or, or somewhere we can go for additional information from the ge side of things what you're going to see at this RSNA is the true clinical proof as to why we did what we did with DBGO. You know, I went through and talked about all the benefits and everything that we did it for, but we've got something, a really special way to showcase clinical images. And I don't want to spoil it, uh, but we have worked really hard for the last several months to create an immersive, almost art gallery uh, like Met Art Gallery in New York kind of experience with just the incredible work that our customers are doing already with, with, with Omni Legend. And we're fortunate that, you know, even in its first year of introduction, uh, not only were, was it wildly successful commercially, in fact, it was uh, the most successful and fastest adopted uh, product or MI product in GE Healthcare history. Which is, which is huge and phenomenal. But we thankfully didn't run into any supply chain challenges. We had the factory, the parts, everything ready to go. And we've been able to get a lot of systems installed up and running this year, uh, both in the fixed space and now with the mobile systems coming off the line. And so we're really excited just to showcase the work that people are doing, whether it's pushing speed and dose to their absolute limits, or, or just seeing what exceptional images the system can make, uh, that's what we're going to be showing is, is all of just the, the clinical work uh, and, and celebrating our customers and what they're doing. Well, that sounds excellent, Mike. We appreciate that. I know Shared Imaging is excited to actually take possession of our first Omni Legend in uh, we're excited in Q1 for you. 24. <laughs> uh, get that thing on the road and, uh, and then get some more right behind that. So, We'll be seeing you at RSNA and appreciate the time here on the podcast. Looking forward to it. We'll see you soon in a few weeks. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us today, Mike and David. We appreciate you finding time in your busy schedules to make this connection with us. And again, happy International Day of Radiology. And thanks to all of you for listening to In Between the Scans. We hope you found this conversation to be valuable and that you captured some insight that can be shared with your team. As always, you can head to sharedimaging.com for more information on our podcasts and how we provide white glove service to our customers and their patients every day. 
If you have any questions or ideas for new segments, please don't hesitate to contact us at info at sharedimaging.com.